This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hello, hello. I'm Brittany Luce, and you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, a show about what's going on in culture and why it doesn't happen by accident. On August 11, 1973, hip-hop was born at a house party in the Bronx. Since then, it's been remade in the image of cities all around the world. For the genre's 50th birth year, we're diving into regionalism, the way that hip-hop sounds different depending on where it's coming from. For me, the first time I really understood regionalism was when I first stepped onto the campus of Howard University. Hanging out on the yard, I couldn't get over just how different everyone styled themselves depending on where they were from. There were the Cali girls in their silk presses despite the humidity. The PG County girls in their poetic justice braids. Kids from Atlanta and Detroit Gucci'd down to the socks. Grab the camera, grab the camera! And New York boys in crisp denim, fresh white tees, and sneakers. The gangsters in D.C. were wearing, like, sweaters tied around their waist. Like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, and I was like, dang, like, I wish I could do that in the town because it gets cold when the fog comes in. But the gangsters don't do that in in the Bay Area. That's Pendarvis Harshaw. He's a friend of mine from my Howard days and a native of Oakland, California. And I'm dressing like I'm still in the town. Uh We go to a party and I had like some glasses with the lenses poked out. Uh And I remember people like looking at me like, who is this weird dude? (laughs) (laughs) These days, Penn is a culture reporter and host of the podcast Right Now-ish out of KQED. And he's here because this regionalism meant more than just fashion. It also showed up in the rap we listened to. And Penn has spent years reporting on one scene in particular that exploded out of the Bay Area in the mid-2000s. Hyphy. Whether or not you know the term hyphy, you probably know the song. Today, we're revisiting one of my favorite conversations this year. We get into how one local scene influenced the hip-hop mainstream and what gets lost when the regional style becomes part of the global melting pot. Pandarvis Harshaw. Welcome to It's Been a Minute. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. We went to Howard University together. I don't even think either one of us had aspirations necessarily of working in radio at that time. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. And now here we are. You and I were at Howard at the same time when hyphy music went from being like a local subculture to being like a global phenomenon. It was like new to me at the time. But I remember everybody going up for Tell Me When to Go. 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 
That is a classic hyphy track from E40, who is also from the Bay. Uh, uh, but before we get too far, how do you explain the word hyphy and the hyphy movement to people who have never heard of it before? Hyperactive energy, rebellious to a fault. Hmm. Hyphy as a word comes from just like I remember it as a kid walking down the street in East Oakland and we would walk in the middle of the street because we knew at times dogs would get loose and be like, oh, yeah, you walking through Funktown? Watch out. They got hella hyphy pit bulls out there. So walk in the middle of the street. Hmm. And hyphy was it was a negative thing. It was about like badass youngsters who just didn't listen or really just hyperactive energy and usually in a negative way. And so when it gets commercialized, it gets this like layer of like goofiness and fun and free spirited, Mm. which is all there for sure. The hyphy movement was more or less a product, something um, that was commercialized. It takes the dancing, the slang, the culture, the fashion and packages it and makes it digestible for people not from the region. The energy, the music, the vibrancy. Talk to me about the whole hyphy scene. What was that scene like at that time for people who weren't there? It's fun. It's goofy and all that stuff. That's dangerous. Mm. And like living on that edge has always been a thing of it. And so even the sideshow culture, the fact that it's illegal adds some type of exhilaration to it all. Wait, so some people might not know what sideshows are. Could you explain them quickly so we can get an idea of it? Sideshows are car shows. And I'm not talking about just your regular like drive slow and show off your car car show. Mm -hmm. You could have the ugliest car with the most powerful engine where you rev it up come into an intersection, swing a couple donuts or figure eights or even just burn out and, and get out of there and kind of show off in front of folks. The sideshow usually has a, an audience gathered around. Right. And um, that, that audience could come usually at the, the let out of a club. People, you know, race down the strip mm-hmm. to an intersection in East Oakland and kind of commandeer it, really take it over and turn up for, you know, until the cops come pretty much. You know, people when people talk about the creation of hip hop in New York, they talk about how noisy the city is. Being on the train constantly kind of creates this backdrop, this thumping, this endless noise, so that the music kind of naturally had to be influenced by it. It kind of had to match it and be so bombastic because New York is so intense. But then like on the other coast, when I think about like L.A. hip hop and G-Funk, it makes so much sense to me coming from the Detroit area because we drive everywhere. And the idea of being in a car you want a smooth ride and you want something smooth to listen to. I don't know. I wonder, like, how was the location so crucial to the sound of hyphy? Very much so. The way the streets are made in Northern California, they're so wide, they invite you to swing your car in them, you know? Like, you couldn't have sideshow culture in Philadelphia <laughs> where the streets are narrow, you know? Um, and so I talked to one of the the statesmen of hip-hop uh, in Northern California, Keek the Sneak, mm-hmm. and he said that, that like, Yes, that's what separates it, is that we make music specifically for the cars. Heavy mm. bass lines, things that you can ride around waking your neighbors up to. I don't put that on, that's my word. I don't put that on, that's my word. I don't put that on, that's my word. You know, Hyphy was born a very local scene. Um, hip-hop scholar S. Craig Watkins describes that era leading up to 2006 as a time when, quote, many young Californians have been pushed to the brink. You were a young Californian at that time. What were you and your friends and your peers on the brink of? Like, what was going on at that time that made life tough? Yeah, okay, so elements. Lack of media attention for the region. You have to imagine Northern California hadn't really got national acclaim since Pac died, right? Or Mm. like, I got five on it. Um, And so there's like a a 10-year gap before 
E40 comes back with tell me when to go and too short right. drops blow the whistle. Right. And so that that lack of media attention, people were hungry. And this is this place is saturated with artists. A lot of independent artists, a lot of entrepreneurs, people who feel like they're worthy to be on the level of any other artist that's coming out of New York, Atlanta, or L.A., right? Mm -hmm. Secondly, you have the black population in Oakland increased every decade from the 1950s until the year 2000, and then it stopped. And then black folks were being pushed out to the suburbs. So you have this depletion of the black community and folks being more widespread. Right. And folks being like, yo, like... I'm losing what home is. Changes in demographics also very frequently bring changes in policing approaches, too. I imagine that that affected things as well. Yeah, there was a crackdown on sideshows. When I was a teenager, like, they announced that you could get your car towed for just parking two blocks within the sideshow area. I was oh. like, dang, what if it's just happening in my neighborhood? Right. Man, what do you mean? The sideshow, they want to shut us down. When we swing something on every corner in the town. Police mad, the streets is wild. Three o'clock in the morning and the beats is loud, man. And throughout that year, Oakland experienced 148 homicides. Oh my gosh. And so if I didn't know somebody, then I knew somebody who knew somebody who was getting killed and buried. Mm-hmm. Like, talk to me about some of the music or songs or music lyrics, music videos from that time that kind of show that aspect, like the things that sort of had, as Craig Watkins put it, had people feeling as if they were living on the brink. The piece that I'm working on really centers around this video. I'm laughing. This video of uh, Stomper, the A's mascot. He's a big gray elephant. And he's at an E-40 record release party in 06. And he's mm. dancing out in the parking lot. Just like goofy dancing. It's a big goofy gray <laughs> elephant, right? Yeah. I filmed this back in 06. And I'm like, there's a lot to unpack here. Because he's dancing and there's people dancing around him who have 5X white tees on that are airbrushed that say RIP across the chest. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you don't think that kid isn't mourning? You know, he's out there dancing and having fun and smiling, Mm -hmm. but he has RIP with his friend's name across his chest. And I'm listening. I'm like, wait, he's dancing the E-40s so happy to be here. Hmm. Hard times. The struggle. Which is a track off of um, my ghetto report card. And the album itself is fun, up-tempo, high energy. But this one cut is E-40 sitting down and being like, man, so many people not here. Like, I'm, I'm just happy to be here, you know? I'm just happy to be here right now. Like my folks been locked up laid down. And seeing this elephant dance all goofy to it while that song is playing in the background, it's like, that's it right there. That's the problem. People think that the hyphy movement is all fun and goofy, but really, like, this is people expressing the trauma that they've been through and the fact that they're still here. The E-40 song, I mean, that's a song about survivor's remorse, you know? Yeah. Like survivor's guilt. I think it wasn't survivor's remorse. It was just straight survival mode. Mm. How do I get away from this, you know? And looking back at the time now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I look at photos and I have the same button up and Steve Madden shoes on at a funeral that I do at a club event. And I'm just like, wow. there was no no separation between the mourning and the partying, Hmm. you know? We're talking about sideshows. I remember seeing people in Buicks on their dashboard. They would have RIP pamphlets from the service, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the handbill. And they'd have that in the front of their car as they're swinging donuts and partying. A part of the survival was mourning and celebrating all in one. And in reflection now, now looking back at it, mm-hmm. I see how unique it was to the Bay Area 
And I see how it's not too far-fetched. Like, going back to New Orleans, like, that's what second lines are about, right? Right. You're celebrating right. and you're honoring the, the deceased, you know? And so it's not unheard of. I just think that our culture is looked at as like, oh, yeah, hyphy movement. That was fun and goofy. I'm like, no, there's more to it. It's more than just shaking your dreads. You know, it, um, it also kind of reminds me of how, like, other subcultures find ways to express grief through ways that aren't necessarily traditional but still make total sense. Like, I think about how much of a club hit Janet Jackson's Together Again was in the 90s as like a response to her losses, her friends from the AIDS crisis. Like it became an anthem for that crisis. And people were coming together on dance floors and being with each other, trying to Almost like move through the grief together. I love that song. So good. Love, love. That's probably top three Janet songs in my book. Coming up, what happens when regional music made in response to local grief goes global? This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. We always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. To be a little personal, recently uh, a friend of mine passed away. I hadn't experienced this type of grief before, um, having somebody so young and so close to me pass away. And it's been so different to actually move through the ceremony of it, whether that is having a memorial service or whether that is sharing space with friends and dancing and crying together. I think for so many of us, the past three years, almost four years, three and a half years, have been a period that has lacked a lot of those communal grieving moments. And I've really realized in the past couple of months how necessary they are to honor the person, but also to like feel like a human being again. My condolences on passing of your friend. I'm learning it now myself. These are the elements of processing the grief and the trauma. These are the healthy ways to do it. The dancing in particular when people think of hyphy dancing, they're like, oh, yeah, go dumb, go stupid, shake your dreads. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's 
there's this thing called turf dancing. Turf dancing is like boogaloo, pop lock, strutting, telling stories, almost pantomime on beat. And most often those stories are about people who've passed. And so there's this one really popular video called Turf Dancing in the Rain where there's a group of kids on a corner in East Oakland Mm -hmm. honoring their fallen friend while turf dancing out publicly. And it's a beautiful video. It's a great way to honor somebody's story. And physically, they're getting that energy out of their body, you know? Like, Mm. all that stress is built Mm. up. Your body holds that stress. So in order to get that stress out of you, get out there, sweat, do moves, be appreciated. There's nothing like you doing a dance move and people clapping for you and how that can help rebuild you after an experience that has downed you. Mm. It's really important. We knew it, but we didn't verbalize it back then, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, grief is kind of seen as being this, like, straightforward process where— you're supposed to go through and you follow these steps, like the Cooper Ross method or something like that. You go mm-hmm. through and you follow these steps and you come out fine on the other end of it. But it doesn't always look like that. It doesn't always look like a progression, right? And also, like, you don't come out fine on the other end. You, you come out different. Um, you come out new. Yeah, for sure. The thing is, I think I, I, with that, I think a lot of people who are not from that area, I mean, I saw it as like a fun dance you know what i'm saying i saw it as like a fun dance fun music fun partying scene but kind of having a flat read flat read is a great term to use that's really good because i'm that's what i'm saying there's more dimensions to it mm. one last question do you still go down <laughs> do i still go do you? yeah <laughs> when my body allows me to <laughs> it doesn't happen as often as it used to fair enough fair enough uh well pendarvis It was so great to see you, Penn. This was so wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. That was Penn Darvis Harshaw, a culture reporter for KQED. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Barton Girdwood, Alexis Williams, Liam McBain, Corey Antonio Rose. This episode was edited by Jessica Placek, Bilal Qureshi. Engineering support came from Kwesi Lee. Our executive producer is Verilyn Williams. Our VP of programming is Yolanda Sanguini. All right. That's all for this episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. Talk soon. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives, like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.